2023 has been a year of great discomfort for many people. Some of you can relate. Great losses. Much has shifted. Priorities are changing for many. How many of you know that we don't normally willingly change our priorities? Sometimes it takes something drastic happening in our life to force us to let go of things that we were hanging on to and reprioritize. I don't want to be that guy, but it happens to us a lot because we attach to things, right? Um, But in all the shaking, the Lord's building his house. How many of you know the Lord's house is more important than your house? Some of you have gotten that revelation. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says this, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is our apostle and our high priest. Who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who has built the house has more honor than the house. The architect and builder of the house generally is is more honored than the house itself. This house was built by such and such, right? And we, we elevate and honor the architect that came up with this design. It's amazing. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose son we are if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So Jesus is the architect and the builder of the house. He's the apostle. And that's what apostles do. They're architects and builders. They design and build. When we uh, deal with people in the construction business in Peru... We deal with architects and engineers, and they're also the contractor. And that's what it's kind of a picture of. The architect and the builder is the apostle. That's Jesus. He's our chief apostle. Verse 6 says, we are the house. If we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope to the end. So he's the architect and the builder, and we are the house. Every one of you are a piece of the building material in God's house. He's also the high priest in the house. He oversees and leads the priestly service in the house. So not only is he the architect and the builder or the apostle, he's also the high priest who oversees what happens in the house. And we are the house. So if Jesus is building the house... Who's in charge of the design and the quality of the building materials? 
Jesus or the devil? Now, Jesus gets a lot of blame for some of the pain that people are going through. Right? But he's building a house. And if we're focused on our house, it's going to be really hard for us to understand why we go through some of the things we go through. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Maybe a better word would be perseverance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. After you've done the will of God, you receive the promise. Boy, it'd be so much more comfortable if we got the promise before we've done the will of God, right? But it's after we've done the will of God, we receive the promise. I can't take it anymore. How many of you have heard that recently? You know what that is? That's rebellion. Yes, you can. He doesn't tempt you beyond what you're able to bear. He doesn't test you beyond what you can endure. You can endure everything that it takes. You have what it takes. Anyone who tells you that you don't have what it takes has lied to you. You do have what it takes. Maybe you didn't have a father in your life speaking that kind of courage to you, that kind of faith to you, but I'm here today to tell you that you have what it takes to come through everything that comes your way. You have what it takes. Trust me, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. God's not raising pampered brats. He's raising sons and daughters with courage and faith. And they work together. You can endure everything it takes, all the heat and all the pressure. For you to become the precious stone that he's shaping and forming, it takes heat and pressure. That's how precious stones are made. He has a special place for you in his eternal house. This isn't about your comfort in this little blip of time that you're on this planet. This is about eternity. He's forming you as building material in his eternal house. And the, and, and the discomfort that it costs us now in this life is a drop in the bucket compared to the rewards that we will inherit for eternity. It's not even worthy to be compared, Paul said. He is a place that he's been designing and preparing for you to fit into. Remember, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if you were thinking, oh, he's going to go make me a happy place. A mansion with everything in it that I've ever desired. Then you've got the wrong focus. I'm not saying none of that will happen. 
you'll be happier than you've ever been, ever, 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 for sure. But if your focus is on what you want rather than what he wants, you're probably going to fall short. He's building a house, an eternal house, an eternal habitation of his glory. And you are a precious stone. You're called to be a precious stone in that house. And when he's done building that precious stone that you are, that fits into that house, the glory comes through it. It's transparent. That's why all of us has to get out of the way. All of our carnality has to leave. Because he's going to inhabit his house with his presence. It's, total intim- it's a place of total union. You don't need, don't need any, any sun there. Because the house is filled with the glory of God. That's Jesus' own presence. Hebrews 2.10 says, It was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Remember, sons is not a gender term. It includes sons and daughters. In the kingdom, we are all sons. That's not got anything to do with the goofy gender confusion that's going on in the nation. It's not what it's about. But, but in the kingdom, there's no, there's no male or female. We're all sons. We're male and female sons. In bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So if Jesus was perfected through suffering, guess how we come in? I've got good news, though, about the suffering. It hurts the worst in the beginning. Because there's more flesh left to hurt. So toughen up. Get resolved. I'm going to do what it takes. Jesus, verse Hebrews 5, 8 Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. What? Jesus, the one who never sinned? Jesus, the one who had a pure bloodline? Had to learn obedience? So in our thinking, which is sometimes kind of upside down, our concept is, well, if you have to learn obedience, that means you must have been disobedient. But that's not true. It's not talking about the removal of a negative. It's talking about learning a positive. He didn't have any disobedience to unlearn. He just had to learn obedience. And you learn that through suffering. Obedience doesn't mean much when it doesn't cost you something to do. Obedience in the face of suffering means that it costs you something to obey. It would be so much easier not to. It would be so much easier to just take the path of least resistance and float downstream like most people do. Right? 
I don't know about you, but I never want to float downstream like a piece of scum on the, on the water. Right? I'd rather be a salmon swimming upstream, going back to my source of origin so that I can reproduce what's, what I'm carrying. Is it going to beat me up to get there? Yep, it will. But you know what? I'm willing to give my life for it. Because I know that's my eternal destiny. And I know that if I really want to be fruitful and bring glory to the one who saved me, then that's the price. It's obedience. No matter the cost. Sorry I'm giving you this. This is not, this is not a mamby-pamby Sunday school lesson word here. That's not what the Lord called me to do. There are others who are really good at that, but I'm not trying to diss anyone else in their message. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I want to see warriors raised up. I want to see mature sons and daughters raised up that are willing to endure hardness for the sake of being obedient to their calling. Fulfilling their purpose and their destiny. Who aren't going to turn and run at the first sight of, of hardship or opposition. But they're going to stand through the heat of battle. Amen? I think I fought my way back out of that one. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. For which reason he's not ashamed to be called, to call them brethren. Saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. So let me make a prediction. And a year from now, you can tell me if I was right. 2024 is either going to be the best year or the worst year of your life. It's determined by our response, by our obedience, by our, by our willingness to face our fears, to face our opposition, and to stand for truth no matter the cost. To be obedient to his voice no matter what. Prepare to soar in 24. The Lord gave me the word soar before I even realized that it rhymed with 24. Or that that's what it was connected to. Prepare to soar in 24. And that is up to you whether you want to soar or whether you want to cave. Hebrews 12, 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Get ready for more shaking than the world has ever seen before. 
Because that's what's starting to happen. Because it's going to result not only in us being shaken here on earth, but principalities and powers shaken in heavens. And the Lord's looking for some warrior sons and daughters who are not willing to face the darkest things that have ever existed on the planet and to spit in the devil's eye. You ready to face your fears? Now this once mo- now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. So when things start shaking, let go of what's being shaken out of your life. Don't hang on. Because the shaking removes those things that can be shaken so that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. I want my life to be built on a solid rock that can't shake when everything else around me is shaking. I want to be able to stand in the midst of the storm when things are flying all around me. I want to be a refuge that people can come to in their times of crisis because I'm not falling apart when people all around me are falling apart. And every one of you have the same opportunity. But we have to decide that we're going to stand through whatever comes and that we're willing to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So who's doing the shaking? Yet once more I shake not only the earth but also heaven. Who's doing the shaking? Is the devil doing the shaking? I don't think so. I don't think he's big enough to shake everything. In fact, he's being shaken with it. His powers are shaking now. Like he's wringing his hands at the moment. Here's here's the picture you need to see. The head of the snake is being removed. But if you've ever decapitated a snake, you know that's when he writhes and does the most damage is in his death throes. Like a chicken does more damage to you after you cut the head off than it does when it's alive, right? Stay out of its way. Try not to give you gory pictures here, but I grew up on a farm. That was just part of what we did. But the old, the old snake, his head, is being removed. Actually, it was removed 2,000 years ago. But we're forcing what Jesus paid for now. And he's in his death throes, doing as much, tearing up as much as he can in his death throes. And that's what you have to see. He's not winning. He's not winning. Jesus is winning. His sons and daughters are winning with him. Now, Christians in name only, 
does that spell? Doesn't spell anything. Uh, Christians in name only are probably feeling like they're losing right now. You know, many decades ago, I heard this expression. I don't think it's true today. But they said of Africa back then that their faith is a mile wide and about an inch deep. I I think that has changed since then. I think there's been some pretty powerful things that have happened in Africa that have really deepened people's faith. I don't want wide, shallow faith. Faith that impresses people but really doesn't stand through anything because it's not deep enough to be built on the rock. His judgments begin in the house of God. Did you ever read that? Judgment begins in the house of God. So the Lord first shakes his own people. So if your life is shaking, has been shaking, is being shaken, let go of what he's shaking out of your life and hang on to what is not shaking. And I can promise you this, Jesus isn't shaking. What he'd accomplish for you on the cross is a solid rock you can build your life on. Other rubble, religion, traditions, the things of this world, everything else that you thought you could build your life on, that will shake. His judgments begin in the house of God, but they certainly don't end there. The nations are shaking and will shake. God is a house in the nations. The nations belong to him. And as we learn obedience in our house, the Lord sends us to the nations to teach them obedience. It's called the gospel. By the way, uh, if I can just tell you something off the record, a little insurance policy. If you want to have some grace released into your life to endure the shaking, I'll tell you a secret. Get involved in what God's doing in the nations. It's a big deal to him right now. It always has been, but right now it's a really big deal. Start doing serious intercession on behalf of the nations. Start making contributions to what God is doing in the nations. And if he calls you, be willing to go yourself and take his message to the nations. But at least be willing to help prepare those who go and empower those who go, intercede for those who go, support those who go. It's a big deal to him. By the way, uh, speaking of money, The first time the Lord ever told me to give $1,000, it freaked me out. I mean, we were on a very limited income at that time. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Lord, how could you ask me to do such a thing? This is going to seriously hurt my family. But I eked it out. I wrote the check. 
He confirmed it with my wife, gave her the same number. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> it, was, it was a place to start. I mean, we were tithing already before that. But uh, $1,000 contributions in obedience to the Lord, when we couldn't spare that, it took a step of faith. Now, when the Lord tells me to give a large amount, you know what happens to me? I get excited. There's no fear anymore. There's no, Lord, are you nuts? None of that. I get excited. You know why? Because every time the Lord wants to bring increase to me, he has me sow for increase. It's the way it works. I could tell you stories. I'm not here to tell you stories about money today, but I could tell you stories that would blow your mind about what I've seen God do. As, as we were obedient to sow, some of the stuff that he did, just it defies logic, defies human understanding. By the way, that thing with the lights... I'm not an electrician, but that was kind of miraculous. You know why? There's no way that we should have been able to lose power and keep the overheads up. We never lost them. Something's going on. Something is going on. When the Lord disrupts the power, he's making a statement about something. I just, I've, I've walked with the Lord long enough and heard enough testimonies that I know when the Lord starts disrupting the power in the middle of a service, something is getting ready to happen. I hope you are ready to buckle your seatbelt in 2024 because we're entering into a time of God's power being released like we haven't known before. Everything you've been believing God for can happen as a result of a manifestation of his power. So don't go for getting freaked out now when things get tough. Because when the power, we go through this testing before the power of God's released. I was thinking, you know, I've, I've read accounts of Azusa Street Revival. And, and during that revival, the, the, the presence of God, the glory of God would come and fill the place. It was like a fog inside the building. And the kids would play hide-and-seek in the fog. And you could think, well, that doesn't sound very respectful. No, they actually had fun in it. The Lord's not an old fuddy-duddy that's against having fun. Just in case you thought he was. He's not. The kids would play hide-and-seek and have a ball hiding in the cloud of glory. And looking for each other. I want to get lost in the glory of myself. Amen? Have you, you have to come look for me to find me. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't it be something to raise kids in the cloud of God's glory to where that became their reality? Can you imagine the warriors that are raised up in a revival culture? When that level of presence becomes the norm. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, 
Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, because our God is a consuming fire. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of an unshakable kingdom. I don't like feeling like I'm losing control and everything's falling apart. I mean, I've lost control for a long time ago. I'm not in control. But I don't like the feeling of things being totally out of control around me and, and the foundation that I'm standing on is moving. I don't like that. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And I'm here to tell you, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the people, or shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think the Lord embellishes things to make a point? Does he exaggerate? I don't think so. His glory shall be seen upon you. When the Lord swore that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, guess how that's going to happen? His people are going to cover the earth. And they carry the glory. Mm. You know all the people that you've been praying for in your workplace? Let me tell you something. Information is not going to change them. The glory will. That's why we've got to leave religion behind with all of its confidence in theological debate, being willing to change anybody's heart. And we've got to learn to carry the presence. Because that's what priests do. They carry the ark. And we are the priests of this covenant. Jesus is our high priest. And in our spirit, the holy of holies inside of us is our spirit. The glory dwells. And we get to carry it everywhere we go. Atmosphere gets, atmospheres get to shift where we are. Miracles can break out at any time. Lightning can come out of the ark. You ever see the last crusade? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Indiana Jones. That was just a little humor thrown in. But nevertheless, the lightning of God can come from the ark of God at any time. Lightning speaks of revelation. Jesus said that his kingdom doesn't come by observation. As the lightning strikes in the east and is seen in the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. He comes by revelation. Lightning speaks of revelation. We enter into the realms of the kingdom through revelation. But the, but the light and the darkness, the heavy darkness and the glory, all intensify simultaneously. Choose your kingdom. Lighter darkness. 
the glory of his presence or the deep darkness of his absence. Because darkness is just the absence of light. It's not even a thing. It's an absence of something. Utter darkness means the complete absence of light. The Gentiles, verse 3, shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Again, I ask you, does the Lord embellish to make a point? I don't think so. We've begun to experience some of those things already, and I believe that 2024, we're going to see an exponential increase of people in places of high authority being touched by the presence of God. Arguments aren't going to win them. But the presence of what everyone is actually hungry for will. Like never before, this will be a reality in 24. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. The nations are now coming. Sons and daughters are emerging from the tribes of the earth. They're hungry. They're saying, teach us what you know. Teach us to know the one you know. We've heard of religion, but we've never encountered the presence of the one you carry. This is different. And I agree, it is different. This is not religion. This is the glory of his presence. And when you carry the glory of his presence, it's the most compelling thing that you can possibly carry. Everyone is hungry to know the one who lives in you. That hit me right between the eyes a couple years ago when I went into this local place that was full of Religious folks. And as I walked in, I realized everyone in that place wanted what I have. Everyone in there. Many of them are looking in the wrong places, but they're looking in the only places they know to look. That's why they need an encounter with you and in the process have an encounter with the one who lives in you. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles shall come to you. God is committed to resourcing those who are consecrated to him and go in obedience. Now, when we think of wealth, right away we think of money, right? Wealth includes much more than money. The resources of the nations will come to those who are committed to God's assignment to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. One more verse. Luke 10, 1. 
And you need to get this. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. Sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. When he sends you somewhere, that's because that's where he intends to come. That means you're John the Baptist opening the way for Jesus to come. That means if you're not obedient to go where he sends you to go, they're not going to be able to receive Jesus the way that he's called you to to be in partnership with him to bring. Because you're the one who opens the way for Jesus to come. It's that important. The Lord sends us where he plans to go. And so as you pray and you say, Lord, who am I supposed to partner with? How am I supposed to partner with them? You're actually helping to prepare the way of the Lord and, and open a way for a, sometimes a tribe or a civilization of people to spend their eternity with Jesus instead of remaining lost. It's a big deal. Well, what if you don't go? Are they going to go to hell? Well, hopefully he'll, take, since he'll use somebody else if he can't use you. But you'll miss out on your reward. See, you're being kind of hard on us. Well, yeah, I am. He's being kind of hard on me. And I'm committed to radical obedience to his voice. Because it's become very real to me that I don't only have a minute on this earth right now. It's only a vapor. And whatever it costs to be obedient to him is a small price to pay for him to build his house in the nations. Will you stand? I'm going to give an altar call. And I guess I'm going to make it in two parts. If you're willing to do both, please come. First of all, if you need to get rid of some junk from 2023 and lay it at the altar and Ask Jesus to wash away the pain and the disappointment and the rubble of a painful year. And if you're willing to make a commitment to radical obedience to his voice in 2024, no matter the cost, then I'm going to ask you to come.